Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. We're in a series in church right now called About Everyone. We're talking about how much you count, God cares, and even on your worst day, God would still choose you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You know what? I don't think that we can really start doing three services until we do one thing that I think is super important. And that's that can we just show all of our thanks and our appreciation to every volunteer in the church that is making this thing happen. We love you guys and we do not want to ever do this without you. And we're kicking off three services with a brand new series. And let me just say that Emma right now, she is gutted that she cannot be here with us. She is out of the country right now speaking at conference. So she just sends you her love. And I know for sure that she has you in her prayers and her thoughts right now. So we're going to be jumping into a new series called About Everyone. And yeah, you're right. We've got a great big sign that says this exact thing because... We really feel that this is the type of church we want to build in the life of Liverpool One Church that kind of says and gives out a sound that makes a statement that we are genuinely about every single one, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, no matter how poor, how rich, how white, how black, no matter what your social economic standing is, we want you to know that we believe with all of our heart that this church that we're building is designed and being made and created for people just like you. In fact, people who know that they're just not perfect all of the time. In fact, if we were to ever have an additional sign on the way into Liverpool One Church, I think it should say, no perfect people allowed. Because I think that we know that we are by far from perfect because we understand we're building not a gathering for the few, but rather a party for the many. Now, we don't come up with these ideas and these slogans because we sit around having pizza thinking, what would be a cool kind of slap line for the name of the church? We, we do it because we take it straight out of Scripture. And there's a really well-known passage of Scripture in John 3:16 that you'll probably have heard of that says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that some people who believe, no, it doesn't say that, so that a few people who attain, no, it doesn't say that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So we really want this series to just be based and grounded in that foundational scripture and sentiment that church is really not exclusive for any person. It is for every single person one of us. And if there was one thing that we would love you to know by the end of this series, it would simply be this. In terms of how you, you relate to God and how God relates to you, we want you to fully know and understand to the depths of your ability that you count and that God cares and that even on your worst day, He would still choose you. So if we can onboard you to that by the end of this series, we'll feel like we have won. We're going to jump into a Bible story pretty early on today, and we're going to go into Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. And there is a story about a guy who has complete and utter life transformation as a result of an encounter with Jesus. So let's jump in. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, Mark 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. 
while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof right above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Let's jump to verse 12. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Okay, so let's just kind of break this whole story down for a moment because Jesus had been traveling from town to town and word had started to get out that he really was the miracle maker. Word had started to get out that he could do incredible things. So Jesus travels back to Capernaum where he finds himself in a house. Some theologians and scholars believe that it might have been Peter's mother's house. We don't know that for sure. But what we do know is that he was in a house and he was just getting ready to preach the word. You could kind of say that he was getting ready to teach some more about what God's heart really was towards people. He was talking to them about what the kingdom of God was actually like. And there in this house, you could also say that he was having house church, which is kind of funny to me because even though we're now doing three services, you've got to know that this church started out simply by 10 people praying in my living room in a house that I promise you could well and truly have taken more than 10 people that humbly got on their knees and were asking that God would one day use them, one day use us to reach hurting and lost people. So here, I kind of picture it in my mind like Jesus is kind of doing the same thing. He's having church in his house, but the crowds started to gather. I mean, so much so there was just no room in the inn anymore. So much so you couldn't even get in through the door. So these houses, they were built with like clay, burnt clay tiles. They had flat roofs. And typically they would have a stairwell in the courtyard or the adjoining property would have a staircase that would enable you to get up onto the roof where there were these four guys who were so adamant that if they could just introduce their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus, if they could just get him close to Jesus, then maybe Jesus could change everything for this guy. And they turn up at this house, and of course they can't get in, so there's no room. So they carry their man on this mat up to the roof before they start to get their hands dirty. And they start to rip apart the burnt clay tiles that was the formation of this rooftop. And they started to create a hole that was big enough before they could eventually try and figure out how to lower their friend. And we don't know how they did it. Maybe they were all wearing belts, and they all took them off and tied them together and just lowered this guy through the ceiling. And they interrupt did the entire meeting that Jesus was holding. And then Jesus spoke into this man's world. And he ended up picking up his mat and walking out of the house. And what we know from this story is that there are three groups of people, three categories of people in this house that are also present right here in our house at Liverpool One Church. These same three groups of people exist today. There was the carried there was the crowd, and there was also the carriers. But let's start off by just talking about the carried. We don't know a lot about this guy that was, that was brought to Jesus by his four friends. I mean, we don't know his name. We don't know his context of his life. But what we do know, he was a real person. 
I mean, we don't even know how we ended up being paralyzed, but what we do know is that if he was a real person, he probably had a real life, a real wife, maybe he had children, maybe he couldn't walk as a result of an injury at work. We don't know. Or maybe he'd been paralyzed since birth. We just don't know. But what we do know is that this man had some stuff going on in his world that was really badly and adversely affecting him. He was unable to walk. And what we see is that the way in which he came into the house was not the way in which he left the house. He came in on a stretcher, but he ended up walking out. What we do know is that this man, in his broken state, was able to find an answer to his problems inside the house that he was previously unable to find anywhere outside of the house. And you see, in many ways, this person, even though he's unnamed, he's just like us. He's just like each and every one of us. This man was paralyzed. You may not be paralyzed, but you know exactly what it's like to experience life's challenges and problems that affect you deeply. I mean, you might not be paralyzed, but some of you will know of the paralytic state that the fear of the future and the unknown and the uncertainty of what's around the corner brings into your world. I mean, some of you know what it's like to feel as though you're paralyzed because you've got no idea where the next mortgage payment is coming from. You know what it feels like to be paralyzed because you've no idea how it's going to work out with your career. You've got no idea how it's going to work out relationally for you. You've got no idea whether all of the problems and the issues that you're experiencing with your son or with your daughter right now are still going to be here in a year's time. You don't know how the future's going to work out. So it makes you feel overwhelmed with fear. Some of you, maybe that's not your issue, but some of you will know what it's like to experience the pain and the emotional torture and torment when a relationship breaks down. And even though that's not how you wanted it to be, even though it started out amazing and he was your Prince Valiant and she was so funny and she was so sweet and you just laughed and talked on the phone all night long, it just didn't end that way for you. And now she's done that thing and he's done that and you've said this and it feels to you like this whole thing is coming crashing down. It's not what you wanted. Some of you know what it's like to deal with the storms of life when it comes to health situations that you desperately want to be fixed, but there just aren't many great options for you. And the options that are available, well, they come with massive downsides too, and you just feel overwhelmed with everything that's going on around you. Some of you, you know what it's like to experience the weight and the burden of that daily, regular fight with just depression and anxiety and stress to the point in which you're just like, I don't even know whether I want to get out of bed today. It makes you feel like you've got nothing else to get up for. It makes you feel just overwhelmed. And many of us know what this can feel like. And I kind of want you to know this, that there are going to be times and seasons in your life and in mine too, where you are going to need to be carried, where you are going to need the support and the friendship and the resilience of others that are around you who can help take you through whatever it is that you're going through. I want you to know that as far as we see church, 
no matter what you feel like you're carrying in life, no matter what weight or what burden, I want you to feel like this really can be home for you. Like you don't have to have the perfect life that's all together to be a part of the community of believers here at Liverpool One Church. You can come broken, messed up, rich, poor, however life finds you, sick, well, it does not matter. We want you to know that this church will never stop loving on you and caring for you if you're in a season that makes you feel like you're just being carried. We want you to know that if life isn't great for you, then that doesn't have to be a reason for you to avoid God or avoid church. We want you to know that when everything isn't fine in your life, that when you're disappointed, when you're downcast, when you feel overwhelmed with the stuff that's going on around you and you don't know what to do, that doesn't have to be a reason for you to stay away from the very believers of Jesus. You don't have to not be in church when life isn't fine. Because if the gospel really is about everyone, we have to make churches that are really about everyone too. And you've got to know that not everybody in this church is fine. Not everybody's doing awesome. And those that are fine right now, I promise you, There will have been a point or a time in their life when everything was not fine for them. So if you feel like you're in a season right now, like this man was of just needing to be carried, I want you to know that you are welcome here and this church is for you and about you. But I also want you to know what Jesus said to this man that was broken, because I think Jesus would say the same thing to us today too. And in verse five, he starts a conversation with this broken man and he says this, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, I just want you to highlight that if you've got a physical Bible or circle it, put it in bold, my child, your sins are forgiven. In other words, he was saying to him, listen, before we even talk about your issue, which I'm going to make well and I'm going to make right, and the story tells us that that happened, but before we even go there, to this man whom Jesus had never met before, Jesus calls him not a friend, not a buddy, not a pal, not a colleague. He doesn't address him as sir. He calls him my child. He's saying my son. It's a term of endearment and responsibility. It's an expression of love. This was a way that Jesus was saying to this man, I want you to know that you count to me. No matter how you came to the house, you count. No matter where your life is at, you count. No matter what's good and what's bad, you count. No matter what your history tells you that you are, you count. And I think that Jesus would say the same thing to us today. But here's the thing. If you're in a season and you feel like maybe you need to be carried right now, maybe you've been being carried for a long time right now. I want you to know that that is absolutely okay. Like everybody at some point needs a season of time out to kind of just recover, get strong, get healthy again. But I want you to know that as a church family, our aim is to do everything that we can because you count to not stay on the stretcher. Because this man, and if we use this story as the model, 
He was carried in, but he walked out. He didn't stay broken. He didn't stay with the requirement of being carried. He came on a stretcher and walked out. And I want you to know that that's okay for you in church too. You can come on the stretcher. You can come broken. You can come feeling the weight of the world. But our intention is that you don't stay forever on the stretcher. And if I'm honest, let's have an honest moment, right? There are some Christians who really enjoy the stretcher. Because if we're being honest, the stretcher's easy, isn't it? Like it's so much better sometimes to have everybody else's attention and they can carry you wherever you want to go. They'll scratch your back. They'll make sure that you're taken care of. It can kind of feel nice when everybody is giving you all of this attention and you can lean into all of their emotional strength when you feel down and when you feel out of the game. But I just want you to know, you're not designed to do life on the stretcher. There was a few years ago, I'd had an operation on my shoulder that really put me out of the game for a while. And um, in that time, that process of just recovery meant that Emma, my wife, she had to literally do so much for me. Even when it came down to like putting on my own socks, I just couldn't do it. And if I'm going to be really honest, there was a moment where I kind of thought, this is kind of nice. You know, I, like, I've got this little Molly maid who's going to run around and be my fetch me, carry me queen. And if I want tea or coffee and I can remind her, I like Oreos and M&Ms and she can run out and get them if I haven't got them. And she can kind of like just take care of my every need. It's kind of nice and it's kind of easy. And you've got to be honest, like I could have done well more weeks than I actually did on it. But over time, I kind of felt like, you know, As this shoulder's getting better, like I need to kind of do a little bit more now. Like as I'm getting stronger, I feel like I want to contribute a little bit more. And I think that that's how it kind of has to work in the church world too. See, it's easier on the stretcher, but it's just not God's plan for you. It's easier to be carried, but it's just not God's plan for you. So I want you to know, no matter where life finds you, to God, you count And you can come on the stretcher, you can remain on the stretcher for a season, but I'm encouraging you guys, if we're going to build a church that really is about everyone, it's going to take each and every one of us playing our part and playing our role. So just don't decide now to stay on the stretcher. But then the second group of people we see in the story is the crowd. We've got three boys who actually are turning very quickly into three men. And there's one thing that all three of them have always enjoyed to do, and that's play football. Now, bearing in mind we live in England, we all know that that means that they often have to play on the all-weather pitch, on the AstroTurf, and that causes like this love-hate relationship in our house. So on one hand, we kind of love the fact that our kids play football, but we hate the fact that they play football, which means that our house is continually covered in these tiny little rubber pellets from the AstroTurf, and they get everywhere. They're like always over our hallway, they're always in the porch, we've even found them in the tumble dryer, you find them in the shower tray. There are these little rubber pellets that just get everywhere, and it is so annoying, it's so frustrating, you're like, why is the house always like look like an AstroTurf? Well, of course it does. The boys play football, and on one hand, it's infuriating, but then, sometimes, Emma and I just have to remind ourselves about what the mess actually represents. Because what the mess of the AstroTurf rubber pellets scattered all around our house actually mean to us is that we've got three healthy, almost grown-up boys that are physically able and well and strong to run around on a football pitch. Like they're able to play football, so we want to celebrate the fact that they can do that because there's not 
not every family has that, right? So we want to be grateful and appreciative for what the mess really represents in our house. And I think that sometimes we've got to do the same thing in the church too. We've got to be a crowd of people that understands that life gets messy. And as a result of that, you and I at times are going to be put out as a result of it. Let me just picture the scene for you. Imagine you've got up early. You've got up early and you've made your flask of tea, you've got your flask of coffee, you've even prepared a bag with snacks and it's got a cool bag in it as well. You are like so set for the day. And you're going to be traveling to this house that's in Capernaum and you don't know exactly how long it's going to be so you determine to set off early. Maybe you even travel the day before because you're coming from a nearby town. You've got all your stuff, you've even got a notebook, an iPad and you're ready to tweet the best lines that Jesus is going to preach in this small gathering in this house. And you're ready to just let the world know that you've got the front row seat, the best seat in the house and Jesus is speaking. And then you enter in and not the crowd, and the crowds haven't yet arrived. And Jesus starts to speak and the crowd just starts to fill into this room. And you're listening to every word that Jesus is saying and you're writing it down and you're tweeting out all the one-liners. You're throwing it out there on Facebook to let everybody know that you're with the man. And to you, it just feels like you're so happy that you got front row seats. You got the best tickets in town to hear Jesus. And then literally as you're writing in your notes, you just get this small, seemingly at first insignificant space of dust in your eye and you think nothing of it before moments later you feel this giant great big lump of clay hit you on the top of your head and fall onto the back of your shoulder and you're like what on earth is going on as you along with everybody else that had prepared and traveled early look up and see in the roof that there are four crazy guys literally ripping the roof from above your head and you're thinking to yourself what on earth are you doing? And they watch as these four friends lower this paralyzed man into the very presence of Jesus. What's fascinating to me about this story is what is not recorded. What's fascinating to me is how, when you think about how the story pans out, these people that were in the crowd first and early and ready and prepared they were so inconvenienced and had their day of teaching completely disrupted by these four guys wrecking the roof. And yet, what you do not find anywhere is any criticism from the crowd towards the carriers for doing what they were doing. What you don't find is any argument or any aggression or any anger that is repellent towards the actions that the carriers were partaking in. In other words, they knew that life was going to get messy. And if that meant at times having a lump of clay fall onto the back of your head or on the base of your shoulder, that was okay if it meant that a broken man was to be brought into the very presence of Jesus. And I think that we've got to have that same mentality too as a church. We've just got to understand that if we're going to be a church that really is about everyone, that's giving off this message about how you count and God cares, and even on your worst day, God would always still choose you, it means that we too are going at times to be inconvenienced by the mess and the baggage that people bring into your life and our church community. If we were to be really practical right now, you guys here attending the 11.45 in the same way as the people that were all in attendance at the 10 o'clock this morning, 
they all have experienced this same thing, being inconvenienced and experiencing disruption to your schedule. Why? To make more room for more people. You guys are exhibiting what our mentality as a church crowd always needs to be like, committed to making more room for the broken that are coming in because when they have an experience with Jesus, they will leave in a way that is different to the way that they had arrived. And then thirdly, in this group, in this story, there are the carriers. And there are so many things that we could talk about when it comes to the carriers. We could talk about their determination. We could talk about how they just weren't willing to quit. We could talk about how they were willing to exert their physical energy and carry their friend, maybe from another town, we don't know. Maybe from another region, we don't know. We could talk and commend them because there's no Uber, there's no taxis, there's no Mersey Rail. This is not going to be an easy walk for them. This is not a stroll in the park, right? They are physically exerting their energy to get this broken guy to Jesus. But I don't want to focus on their determination. We could talk about their initiative, which I think is to be commended but just not focused on. Because when you think of it like this, this is what they had to contend with. They had this great plan and this great idea about exactly how it was going to work for them. But when they arrived at the house, there were so many people in, you couldn't even get through the doors. If it was many other people, they would have seen that and turned their back and walked away. They would have seen the inconvenience and just thought, there's no way we're getting in. There's nothing that we can do. But it's not what these friends did. They took the initiative. They just said, hey, listen, if we can't get in through the door, we're going to take him in through the roof. I mean, we're going to carry him up the sets of steps and we're going to get him in there one way or another. We're going to be creative, but we're going to figure this thing out. We're not going to let this opportunity miss us or go by or go past us. But their initiative is not where I want to focus on. We could also talk about their persistence, but I don't want to focus on that. Although it's worth mentioning, can you imagine how many people would have been criticizing them whilst they were just en route to the house that Jesus was speaking in? I mean, we don't know exactly because the details aren't recorded, but life is life. And I would imagine that in Capernaum, it wouldn't be too dissimilar to being here in Liverpool. And maybe they've been carrying this guy for hours and hours and hours and just shouldering and taking and bearing the weight. And maybe the crowds that would have been on the street side would have been going, hey guys, like, where are you going? Where are you going with the dude that can't walk? They go, well, the thing is, we want to take him to Jesus. Because if we can just get him into the house where Jesus is, then, then we're hopeful that maybe everything can change for this man. I could imagine everybody on the roadside going like, are you crazy? Like, are you for real? Like, this dude couldn't walk for years. Like, this dude can't even put his own stuff. Like, this dude can't do anything. You're wasting your time on him. Go and find somebody else to take to Jesus. You're wasting your time. But these four friends, they were persistent because they knew that the church that Jesus was building was not a gathering for the few, it was a party for the many. And they knew that as far as Jesus would approach this man, that he would say to him that you count and God cares. And even on your worst day, I'd still choose you. So they felt it, but it's not where I wanna focus on, but it's their willingness. The fact that even in Jesus's house, he had people that were willing to scout out the land and find lost and hurting and broken people. They were willing to be inconvenienced. They were willing to go out of their way and take the weight and take the strain. They were willing to bring somebody to Jesus that 
did not know Jesus. It's almost like they were willing back then to do the same thing that we talk about doing today also. You know, when we say we exist to make it easy for people to follow God, I think that that's what they were doing. They were intent on just making it easy for people to follow God by committing to being a carrier, someone that takes the weight of just broken and hurting people. And we've got to be that as a church family too. Liverpool one, we don't all need to be carriers at the same time or even all the time, but you have got to know that we are here to be carriers. And it's okay if you're being carried right now, but we want you at one point, at some point, to one day be a carrier of people also. So we know that if you're sick or if you're broken or if you're dealing with stuff and just the weight of life feels to you like you need to be fixed, you're welcome here. And you can come being carried as long as you want. And we believe that we can help you on that journey. We believe that when you come in one way into the house of God, you don't have to leave the same. But we just don't want you to stay that way. We want you to become carriers. So what does a carrier look like? Well, you might not need to be lifting a stretcher, but maybe you can give someone a lift to church. Like you might not be able to carry someone from town to town, but maybe you'd be willing to just give them a lift to and from church from the other side of the city without ever having the opportunity to claim it back in a fuel expenses form either. Just being willing to take somebody for a coffee or for a meal who's in need and pay the bill. Just be willing to be inconvenienced by having that awkward family that live in your street, round at your house, because you know of the tragedy and the trauma that they're experiencing right now. And you feel reluctant because you know it's gonna mean like a big commitment because they're the hard work family. Like they've got the hard work kids, they're needy, and it's gonna be like, man, where does your investment start? Where is the line? I just think that carriers invest all the way. Maybe for you, it means taking somebody out for Sunday lunch intentionally to get them into the house where Jesus is for the six o'clock. Because carriers, they don't just fix people. They don't just look for broken people. They commit to walking alongside them. Why? Because we believe that God's heartbeat towards us and every single one of you is the same, that you count because God cares. And it doesn't even matter who you are or where you're from. Even on your worst day, God would still choose you. Even on the days that you don't feel like you wanna be part of a church, you don't wanna be part of the community, you're not even sure what you feel in your faith anymore. We want you to know that to Jesus, you count because God cares. And even on your worst day, He will choose you. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone, it doesn't matter how many times you've tried to do it differently in the past. To Jesus, you count because God cares. And it doesn't matter where you are or where you're from. It doesn't matter. Even on your worst day, God would still choose you. So our request is as we continually remind ourselves that we're building a church that is not a gathering for the few, but it is a party for the many. As we commit anew and again to ensuring that we become about everyone, my ask is this, that when you're part of the crowd, Will you determine in your heart not to be inconvenienced by the mess that other people bring to you? Can you just decide that we celebrate what the mess actually shows? Well, it means that people are getting saved, that God's moving in people's lives, that this is actually a really good thing, a hard thing, but a really good thing. 
Or maybe if you're being carried right now, that you would stay and be committed to being carried for as long as you need. And there is no pressure. No pressure from us at all. But we just want you to have the understanding, right? That if you're being carried right now, it is easier, but it's just not God's plan for your life. But then for everyone else, that we would intentionally choose to be carriers of people who are far away from God, that do not know Him. Because maybe by you and just three of your friends, maybe someone's eternal destiny would be changed because you were just willing to be put out and take the weight and take the strain as you agree to becoming a carrier in the very kingdom of God. For more content from us, why not head on to any one of our social media platforms or check us out online, www.liverpoolonechurch.com. And hey, we would love to see you on a Sunday, 10 a.m., 11.45 or 6 p.m. We'll see you there.